1: I'm gonna Black, talking money, investing, more. Sometimes you feel stuck in life. You feel stuck on this planet. You feel stuck in a body that's not yours. Do you feel stuck in a routine? Do you feel stuck that you're never going to get ahead? Too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. I know you're saying, "Please, please." Please don't tell me you're going full Tony Robbins on me. Nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to start saying stupid stuff like, your dream was given to you. If someone else can't see it, that's fine. It was given to you and not them. It's your dream. Hold it, nurse it. Cultivate it. I'm not going to be that loser who tries to coach you, who tries to motivate you. It's not over until you win. If you run with nine losers, pretty soon you'll be the 10th loser. What are you talking about? I don't believe in stupidisms. You know, like a, a truthism, a maxism. I just don't, I don't believe in, like, people are that dumb. And if they are that dumb, then we just need to let Darwin do his thing. Perfection does not exist. You can always do better and you can always grow. I just don't believe that. I believe as someone who has a show, I need to motivate you to get up and focus on getting off the planet of death. And the way I say that is, is have you ever thought about age 61 or what does that look like? Have you ever thought about retirement? Have you ever thought about ageism and maybe you get shut down at age 50, 55 when you still want to work but you can't work? Or have you ever thought about how your career slowly changes? When I got into radio, everyone that I worked with in radio had a pretty good career. The sound guys, the producers in radio, the producers in television, they all had pretty good careers. And it was a little bit tougher for me because they they had built this career off good quality work, off good quality education. And sometimes they didn't like what I would say. I'm not allowed to say a word that is another word for poop. Behave yourself. I could say the word ship, like your ship wrecked, but if you sound too close to the word that is long poop, like you get into trouble. And people would freak out early on in radio. They're like, did you hear what Rob just said? Oh, you said there was a poop wreck. <laughs> like a poop wreck. I guess I did say something like that, but don't take it so personally. Like, I'm just trying to get people to retirement. And people would lose their mind. And again, as money has left the industry, all industries, you used to be able to get a fat, you know, mid-level manager at a McDonald's. You used to be able to fat mid-level manager at like a Walmart, barely show up, you know, probably embezzle money from your kid's baseball team. To take your kid to practice and pick him up from school and make a good living, and that's that's getting tougher. It's getting more and more of a sustained slump out there. The haves and the have-nots, as far as careers go, as far as money goes, as far as houses go, as far as pretty wives go. There's the haves and the have-nots, as far as houses. There's the haves and the have-nots, as far as retirement funds. There's the haves and the have-nots, and I feel like the gap in all of these are becoming a little bit more dramatic. And again, only because I get out there and I see stuff. Only because I get out there, I read stuff. So on this show, I'm going to do things like: Did you know that we paid over a hundred billion dollars in credit card interest in 2017? And we're going to pay even more this year. And I, get, I bet we'll pay even more the following year. And I bet we'll pay even more until there's a massive recession. And my job is to say: There's always a bull market out there. There's always opportunities. There's always headlines. There's great corporations to invest in, but when the New York Times does an article on housing in Australia, my business resources aren't strong in Australia. I might know a comedian or two who talks about Australia, the net, Jim Jeffries, and then I'm like, Paul Hogan, I kind of know he's the shrimp on the barbie guy. And I think there was a golfer and and Nicole Kidman. And then, like, I'm out. Hugh Jackman might be, like, so I will use resources that are not my own and cultivated on my own to study Australia. And their housing market has a very similar feel to New York and San Francisco. Their whole Sydney's kind of like their San Francisco and their whole Melbourne's kind of like their New York. It's kind of the opposite East Coast, West Coast thing going on. But I'm always studying re- uh, real estate in Canada and Australia and the UK because I think real estate's part of our future. It's an industry that has a lot of tentacles tied towards it. Now, you obviously have Melbourne, one of the world's wildest, most expensive real estate markets. On the other side of the coast, you have Australia, which is Australia's other big real estate capital. And then you get to the point. Thank you. Colin Hay. A little minute work. I know you're saying, how does this guy know his name is Colin Hay? He's kind of a big deal. So mortgage debt right now puts Australian households amongst the world's biggest borrowers. So I pay attention to that. Have you not heard like there was a real estate correction in the United States and the mortgages imploded to the point that big banks failed? And then we were like, well republicans are like you should never have given loans to those people and democrats are like you should never you should give loans to those people but not those people and then the banking industries are like we should only give loans to these people not those people and there's a lot of finger pointing when all is said and done so australia is kind of important to me if property prices go backwards where does that leave you where does that leave you now that all the children have grown up? So you get a real estate brouhaha. And who doesn't love a good brouhaha? I love a good brouhaha. Sometimes there's big riffs when there's a brouhaha. Everyone wants to be right. I don't live in a world where I'm right, I just live in a world of compromise. If you ever get married, you, you move from having an opinion to just compromising the rest of your life. If you ever have children, you move from having time in your life to never having time in your life and just compromising the time that you have left. You're like, should I watch sports till I die or should I drink? So nobody's predicting the American housing market reflects exactly like it does in Australia. Australia. Or like Russell Crowe, I'll beat you up. I'll beat you up, I will. I love how hot-headed Russell Crowe is. Um, so, But a, a sustained slump in one market can teach us about a sustained slump in another market. And again, it's all about learning what's a generous, generous mortgage term, what's the interest rates, what's inflation, what's the housing market, what's the um, debt to household, what's the credit to household. What is the income per household? Can you service that debt? Home values in both Sydney and in Melbourne have dropped ten percent. That's last year. And this year they're they're kinda carrying on that trend of down two to three percent. So some air has been taken out and people feel less wealthy. So, no, 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 no. I don't know what a kookaburra is. I don't. And I've never eaten a pouch of a baby kangaroo or a mommy kangaroo. I haven't. But I do look to Australia sometimes. I'm Rob Black, talking all things investing.
0: But if you close your eyes, does it feel like nothing changed at all? If not, still, all these questions, they are like Would you We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW
1: I hate that Tom Selleck is on television pushing people to do reverse mortgages. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Because he's Magnum. He's awesome. He's a god. He's someone we look up to. He's a TV celebrity. So, the idea of my mom. God. That Tom Selleck is a good looking man. I think he's a good looking man. I'm a door reverse mortgage because he's told me to do it. He's a good looking man. Keep in my mind, my mom's impaired mentally because she had strokes. I hate it. When the Pope came to town a couple years ago in New York... Suddenly, they were selling papal pens, papal pendants, on QVC. And my mom, she's mentally impaired, so she watches QVC and the Home Shopping Network. And she's like, get it now. One time only, the Pope has come to New York City. You can get your papal pendants for only forty nine ninety five. That's three payments of forty nine ninety five. And you're like, whoa. A lot of people don't have that kind of money in retirement. Some do, some don't. I bring it up because my mom really isn't all that religious, and she hasn't been in 40, 50 years, and yet she gets lonely, and she watches a little TV, and she's like papal pendants. And like the whole royal wedding, it nauseates me, because I know what's going to be on QVC and Home Shopping Network for years to come. You can get the royal pendants of the 2018 wedding of the century. Princess Markle becoming queen for a day. I see a lot of Americans just losing their, their, their skin. And their retirement skin, so to speak. The stuff that can change their, their life to basically buy junk. So when I see Magnum, Tom Selleck pushing reverse mortgages, it, it makes me cringe. People aren't, this industry, the financial industry is very leery of having people endorse. Because endorsements equal like, hey, I've, I've listened to Rob Black for years. I've trusted him. He's told me to stay in the market when things got ugly. And I stayed in the market. It worked out okay for me. So endorsements can kind of come back in funny ways. Like, you got to be careful what you put your name on. Tom Selleck doesn't care. But I, do I think reverse mortgages are right for every American? No. And reverse mortgages, you have to do a lot. You have to do a lot of education before you get approved. Do I think they're appropriate for some? Yeah. Mrs. Mitchell on my street, if she wants to die in that house, she has every right to die in that house. She probably has a million to $2 million of equity. Why not use it? Why not tap it? It's expensive, number one. Why not sell it and move to Arizona? You could do that. That's probably a better idea for me. Cut your costs. But, yeah, I'm not a big fan of of the celebrity endorser. Even when there was um, Ben Stein, who was endorsing, who was that guy? Lucia? He wasn't endorsing. Yeah, he was endorsing him. Bueller? So when Ben Stein, I grew up Bueller. hearing Bueller, 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 and then, like, whoa, he's fiscally conservative, and he's supporting, he's he's helping a guy do seminars. It made me cringe. Not that I think you're dumb enough to go, that guy from Ben Stein, he's really smart. He is really smart on the economy and business. But do I want you taking advice from Joe Montana? Joe Montana? Hannah Montana? Hannah Montana. Or Joe Montana? Joe, Mon- Joe Montagna, the Italian actor. Joe Montana, the the quarterback. Do I want you to go, on, I'm Joe Montana, and I've won five Super Bowls. And you should invest with Cletus. Cletus is the greatest investor of all time. What I did on the football field, he does in the stock market. You need a general. Back in my day, it was me and Jerry Rice. But we also had our coach. Some guy with white hair and glasses. Walsh, I think it was his name, who also coached at Stanford. Do I want Joe Montana giving financial advice or endorsements in the Bay Area? Hell no. Because a lot of people, like, that's as far as they're going to do their homework. And they don't know, did Joe Montana make a fee for speaking? Did he get a kickback? Does he really believe in what he's saying, or is he just reading copy? I have nothing against Joe, by the way. Nothing against Jerry Rice. Nothing against Ben Stein. I just, I think it's really, it makes me very, very cautious when I see that. So, and I want to share that with you. If you ever hear me pitching like cryptocurrencies, like this is the best cryptocurrency ever. That should make you go, wait, wait, Rob's always said it's kind of a civil war. It's not appropriate for everyone. Consider broker-advisor for taking action on any cryptocurrencies at all. And sometimes Rob does stories where one analyst will say a cryptocurrency is going to go to 25,000 and one analyst says it's going to go to zero. I don't know what to do. I don't either. That's a civil war to me. And since when you buy a cryptocurrency you don't even get a banana. It makes me a little bit nervous. At least a lottery ticket they give you a ticket. I guess you get a ticket too with that. You with Anyhow. Authority. You should respect my authority. to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about celebrity endorsements. Sony did something kind of cool. They spent $2.3 billion for EMI, and they've become the biggest music publisher in the world. I don't know what that means yet, but they picked up 2 million songs from artists such as Kanye West, Sam Smith, and Sia tells me that the rise in digital streaming is also expanding songwriter royalty revenues with Sony capturing value as a manager of the copyrights backed by direct deals that they have with companies like Spotify and Apple Music and Google Pay and SoundCloud and YouTube. EMI has about 15% of the music publishing industry. Sony is going to get bigger. That's going to give them 26% of the market share. And growing... Dun dun dun! Are they too big to stop? I don't think so. You know, you look at a company like YouTube, and I want to give them and Google a lot of props right now. They've changed TV with their Google YouTube uh, YouTube TV service. Apple has been talking about it for since Steve Jobs died six plus years ago. And Apple's really done nothing about it. And yet, Google comes out, and without a lot of fanfare, and we've been waiting for a long time for Apple TV, and it was going to come, wasn't going to go. But YouTube TV is actually killing It's They're killing it. They're doing well. So, for years, Apple said, we're going to be in there. We're going to be in there. But YouTube TV, Google's challenger to cable television, has simplified the process. It's created... An inexpensive service for 30 to 40 bucks a month. That's the magic number that Apple was trying to get to in 2015. With YouTube TV, you get CNBC, CNN, AMC, FX. You get kind of what you need. And you get the sports channels as well. Uh, YouTube TV, you are killing it. Congratulations. Apple TV, not so much. I don't care I want to live maybe on, my work on my own. And on what and I ask
0: myself, your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDO double. One of
1: the things I like to do is not necessarily look back in anger, but look back. Having an investment plan means you plan, you pre-think about things, but then you watch things unfold to see if they happen the way you wanted them to. And then after you give it a little bit of time, I think you look back and look for unanswered questions. Unanswered questions could probably be the title of my autobiography, if I had an autobiography. But Netflix, when they have a bad quarter, we pay a lot of attention to it. When they have a great quarter, we tend to go, well, it's Netflix. There's a phrase called, let's Netflix and chill. They have hit our mindset. They have hit our, our verbiage. So sometimes we just kind of forget that there are metrics that you look at when investing. Price to earnings, price to sales, price to, uh, to debt. Now, the company, Netflix, sometimes has an issue, in my opinion, where they don't give away enough information. If you're a public investor in the company, it basically means you're an owner. Can you imagine owning a company where you don't know your payroll? Or you don't know what you're going to be doing in the future? You'd be like, I don't like that feeling. So So Netflix never gives away a lot in metrics. It's their way of keeping things close. Holy mackerel. I kind of watched... a very r-rated jim jeffries comedy special the other day on netflix whoa let's just say there's enough sound bites there to um reinvent radio didn't know who the guy was i've kind of been locked up in the little raw black world for the last 10 years who knew there was a such a funny man out there brought to me by netflix so the number of hours robbed watch, they don't really tell us. So when they report a quarter and their earnings or their revenue goes sideways down, we pay attention. If it's the sales, if it's the earnings, if it's the margins, if it's the international subscribers, if it's domestic subscribers, if it's, did they have a good quarter with a brand new hot show? Do they have a bad quarter with a flop of a new show. Did they have a bad quarter? With uh, a big one like House of Cards or Stranger Things coming back, a lot of questions. So you pay attention to the CEO, Chief Executive Officer. He's going to give you a lot of big picture stuff. The CFO, David Wells, is going to give us a little, you know, uh, defensive subscriber numbers, whether it's positive or negative. So he's kind of a character that you pay attention to during the earnings call. Whether it's this quarter, last quarter, next quarter, next year, trying to you know, listen to conference calls is about nailing it. So you have the chief content officer at Netflix, a guy named Ted Srandos, who if you've heard celebrities talk on the red carpet, I know you're saying, you watch a lot of red carpet, not much. But Teddy Sarandos gets compliments big time from the big stars. I know, I know. Harvey Weinstein used to as well, right? So original movies, what did Netflix come up with this quarter? What are they buying? What's their strategy on Asia? What's their strategy on India? What is their churn rate? That's something they won't tell us. We hear stories about Netflix... And how once you have it, you'll never give it up. In fact, they can charge you double. They really don't tell us. What's the notion of engagement for users? We've seen statistics as high as 90% of all college students have Netflix. Now, that doesn't mean much to me because it could mean, are they sharing mommy and daddy's account? Are they on their own account? Are they sharing it with their friends? Are they all illegally getting it? Who knows? So there's there's different notions of engagement that we don't really get from Netflix. And that kind of brings in a little bit of an added risk. The company's going to come out and say, we can't tell you everything we're doing because an HBO will copy us or Hulu will copy us or Walmart. I know you're saying, no way. No, no way. 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 So... How much are they spending on marketing? Does that marketing cost go away? Like you can look at a company like an Apple and you can come up with every reason. I think the is too expensive. I think Google phones are better. I think Tim Cook is stupid. I think China. I th- you can come up with every reason to hate them. But you could also look at R&D, research and development. They spend more on R&D than other companies making revenue. In the S&P 500, a large chunk of them. Now, could Apple ever say, okay, you know, maybe we're not the same old company we used to be, and let's start slashing some R&D? Sure. So you really try to have to, in my opinion, get as much of a big picture as you can. Um, otherwise, you say, okay, I'm going to buy Netflix because it's got verbiage. People say, let's Netflix and shell which basically means let's sit down with a member of the opposite sex and... Start watching the movie and see where it goes. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm on good behavior. So my puppy puppy passed away last week, and now I'm on good behavior. It wasn't a puppy puppy. She was a 15-year-old lady, but you get the idea. So I'm going to do a better show because of Maisie the Wonder Dog. But that's neither here nor there. So increased marketing dollars. How does a company have a good quarter or a bad quarter, and how do you judge it? For instance, if you see a kid, you know, ace the SATs and he happens to come from a lot of money and has a tutor, and who's, you know, his dad was Albert Einstein and his mom was Marie Curie, you go, yeah, that's not that tough for him. He's kind of lived a privileged life with privileged uh, genetics. And you would value someone who does better. Do you see what I'm saying? You kind of have to have that kind of subjective trash talking ability. Why is she wearing that? Oh my God, is he really wearing white in, in, in December? If you can't trash talk, you can't invest. But also, in my opinion, if you can't shut down your emotions of, of, of fear and greed, you shouldn't invest. So, because like Netflix has it all, it's super expensive. That should make you fearful. It's got great returns. That should make you greedy. It's got a great story of, let's take on the ABCs, NBCs, CBSs, the way people watch television. Let's try to change it. In a world that was already seeing a lot of change with the likes of companies like YouTube, Netflix wasn't afraid to say, okay, let's, let's kill this physical DVD thing, and let's replace it with something different. You get the idea. So I think you get the idea. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. So Netflix has a lot of unanswered questions, and that because of that, when you invest in the company, you bring on added risk. So some companies they they, they don't have that much that many questions. A little bit easier to analyze. Like here's one area of Netflix I I don't study a lot the currency. We know that they're doing a big international expansion. We know that in the United States, that I'm not going to say they're saturated, but let's say Netflix probably is pretty well known. Now, as we start saying, okay, well, we've seen great returns of invest on investors' dollars in the United States, but we're also seeing that saturated subscriber. So let's take a look at the international market and say, are they saturated? And then you go, okay, okay, now, wait, 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 how many subscribers do they have in the UK? And Wait, wait, what currency are they using? And is a strong dollar good or is a strong dollar bad? So when Netflix releases a quarter and it creates a buying opportunity, you, you really look at the metrics a lot but not so much when it's a good quarter or when the stock responds positively. Like I could look at one of their recent quarters and say revenue rose 40%. Holy. I mean, I, I, if I was eating like uh, peanut butter and uh, peanut butter saltines, peanut butter saltines just fell out of my mouth, like 40% revenue growth. And it takes a while for peanut butter saltines to fall out of your mouth. Cause they're all sticky and uh, gummy and they're all sticking to your, 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 your you get the idea. So the company missed its subscriber growth for the United States, adding 670,000 subscribers in the quarter and 4.47 million internationally. They were supposed to add 1.2 million subscribers in the U.S. versus 6.670,000, but again, their slate of product was pretty weak. So as far as new shows go, where will that go? Um, I was reading some reviews recently of Lost in Space was one of their originals that it was a hit, but it wasn't as big of a hit as they expected, or maybe it wasn't as big of a hit as the cost of production led you to think it would be. So Netflix international revenue surpassed domestic revenue for the first time. There's things that you you really almost have to draw a picture. Quick, take a pic. Click. Um, to really get, like, now the dollar is a bigger story because international revenue is a bigger story. You see where it's going? I'm Rob Black, stock talk. Talking stock. Much, much more. 800 516 1220 to get your calls there. Find me online at Rob Black's Show. Don't forget, there's seminars always coming up. Use the code radio 25 to get in for free. <laughs>
0: Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: So so every 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I like to read some of my research that I put together 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And there was a point in time where we talked a lot about bricks. Do you remember that? Brazil, Russia, India, and China. That was a big story in 2000, 2001. Huge. We started talking about these expanding middle classes, Brazil, Russia, India, and China back in 2001. So when I read my notes on that, um, it kind of made me scratch my head. Now, they've been talking about the brick, and now they're talking about fang. And no one's really talking about brick anymore, and everyone's talking about fang, Right. So, there's a lot of gloom on a lot of cyclical challenges, and we're looking at developed economies and growing economies, and you know, the best investments are in growing economies. China should be, in my opinion, way higher than it is now because of how much growth they have, but they kind of cheat a little bit. They're not pure capitalism. They're not letting companies fail sometimes, and they're saying, you know, we're going to step in and do it. So when Brazil, Russia, India, and China didn't exactly work out, and, you know, India, we were like, well, India's got more colleges and a better education system and better politics. And Brazil's got, you know, uh, commodities. So you, you flash forward 10, 15 years, and you're like, whoa, now we've got things. Back then, we had bricks, and no one's talking about them anymore. So you got to be kind of careful. Um, in the research that I wrote, automakers are fleeing from Detroit to Moscow to S- and St. Petersburg. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore. And now we're building more cars in the United States in different ways. And this was back in 2008 when I wrote that note to myself. So be careful on getting caught up. Because I remember doing this radio show, pounding bricks. And not so much these days. I love a good story stock. When stories, I'm always paying attention. I don't have to have like sex appeal on a stock. Um, I'm doing more camp and America's doing more. Oh, but wait, wait before I finish that... So okay well, the more camping the more camping gear as I get older, I'm, I'm spending more money on. so like a yeti cooler is awesome so that you're not pouring water out of your cooler after one day because all the ice melt. And that appeals to Americans. So as I continue to put together research for you, Remember how I said back in two thousand to two thousand eight, we're talking about the growing middle class in Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And middle class tends to be consumers. They tend to smoke cigarettes and eat more protein. And there's great investments that you can find off, off you know, middle class, they 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 want to go on vacation. So there's easy pickings. Now, what's interesting is Brazil, Russia, India, and China grew their middle class. I think the United States middle class has shrunk. On a lot of levels, the, the has and the have-nots. So Do yourself a favor. Write some things down. I think when you write it down, it makes it true. It kind of puts you into a category of, this is my opinion. And if you can judge yourself later, I think that's a good thing. So if you can scorecard yourself, scorecards are awful. They're awful, awful, awful. But I love scorecards, right? So I think that's kind of important. Avoid being God syndrome. I think... God Syndrome, you'll see some people out there, a lot of radio shows, a lot of guests on TV, who act like they're always right. People will call into my show knowing that gold is going to $600 an ounce. People will call in knowing that gold is going to 3000 People will start thinking that fuel cells are going to be the next red hot thing, and fuel cells really never caught on. Tesla's self driving car is going to be the next hot thing. And I, I don't know if we're ever going to have fully you know, self-driving cars with the roads that we have in the United States. It just, uh, the two kind of, kind of bash heads. Financial news is something that you need to understand is useless. Financial news helps people who trade gold and stock traders. So if you're an investor, CNBC should do you no good. If you're a trader that invests in gold, you want to see where the, are we in the good times or are we in the bad times? So just be cautious. I remember back in 2001, right before 9-11. So 9-11 happened in September. In August, all the news stations were talking about the summer of the shark. And you believed there was enough Americans who had been bitten by sharks that summer that if you, you believe that if you even stepped on the beach, you might get bit. That's how many shark bites there were but after 9 11 and in 2002 you know how many stories were on on beaches and sharks none none headline news is awful um it's an awful indicator of the future is what i'm trying to get at stories you know i i, I thought about this the other day I, I like following hockey or basketball on on news like hey what's gonna happen with this team what's gonna happen in that team right And I'm, I'm thinking if you're a beat writer for a hockey team how difficult it must be to write 150 stories? And do you just go back and copy the last year's 150 with different players and different, you know, uh, stories? Or do you do it? Do you figure out how it matters? Or do you figure out how it plays? I think market timing is a bit of a scam. And you've heard people go, "Join my group, and I'll t- tell you when to buy and sell." I'd be very cautious on that. Show me one person who's a market timer worth ten million dollars. Show me someone who turned ten thousand into ten million. Now, the people who sell you the newsletter that tells you they can do that, they've done well. The people who sell you the software who, who promises to give you access to the investment, God's ears, they they make money on the software, but not on the trades. So if you doubled your money every two to four months, or you take a class that starts at $99 or $400, if you really believe that, those lead to $4,000 classes. They're not one-on-offs. doubled every four months is $5.3 trillion in 10 years. It ain't that easy. Don't look for shortcuts. Write down things you believe in. Become a better investor. Learn from your mistakes. Be patient. I'm Rob Black. Take care. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.